Well now, boys and girls. We are down below in Malmo last week playing uh, Gaelic football, were yeah? Well, yeah. How's the body? Because I'll tell you, mine is in bits, lads. I think somebody took all the joints and the muscles and the ligaments out of my left hip and they replaced them with a bag of Lego that they didn't bother putting together. So I'm all over the shop this week. But sure, that's the way of the world. You can't be going down there and not giving your best and uh, not having a crack at that. I hope you're well. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, you're very, very welcome. I hope that all of you who listened to last week's podcast from that Gaelic football tournament in Malmo are turning up again because we'd love to have you along. The more people we have on here, the merrier. The more crack we can have, the more people we can interview. Um, in a little while, we're going to have a little chat with Dara O'Carroll, not Dara Glynn, who I always insist on calling Dara Glynn, and Dara Glynn is an entirely different kettle of Dara. Uh, but Dara O'Carroll, I was with him there yesterday. I dropped into their new offices down there in the centre of Stockholm. Because do you know what, lads? Ireland is doing so well in Scandinavia that Enterprise Ireland are growing almost as quick as the Irish businesses here. And it's tremendous. I don't know if any of you were around here in 2008 and 2009 when uh, the crash happened. And we ran a little project called Think Irish. And it was basically to get those of us working in Sweden and to introduce Irish businesses into the discussion because the economy at home has gone to shite, right? And we made badges and we had a couple of little events and that and we had the badges at St. Patrick's Day and that and just to sort of put Irish uh, companies in the mind of people and we're thinking, Jesus, you know, because how long was it going to take to recover from that financial mess? And now you have a tremendous amount of Irish people over here. You have people rotating in and out on different contracts to data centres and big bills here, there and everywhere. We've great companies providing all sorts of financial technology and construction technology and aerospace stuff and motor stuff and everything. And it's absolutely tremendous to see. Before we get to the legendary Mr. O'Carroll, we've a couple of little bits of housekeeping to do. Um, one is, I don't know if anybody went to the Waterboys the other night. I was a little bit disappointed the Waterboys were on there in uh, Philadelphia Shieldkill I think it was and I was talking to Mike Scott just the day uh, the day before the day of the gig and I couldn't go because we were on the night train down to Malmo and I was kicking myself because they're a fantastic band altogether I hope somebody went to see the gig and if you do and you have any photos of that just tag me and let me see them and that kind of thing they're playing in Uppsala again in August and by Jesus lads wild horses will not keep me from seeing uh, the, the Waterboys now in August. I, I'm not going to make that mistake again. And then, of course, what did I do? There I was yesterday, and a uh, whole slate of work on, 16 hours of work on yesterday, and someone tells me, the great punk band from Derry, that the undertones were playing. And there's another chap I know there, another Michael, uh, Michael Bradley, commonly known as Mickey Bradley, works for BBC Radio Ulster, uh, but the bass player with the undertones, and he's there going, are you coming to the gigs tonight? Well, BJ's, I'm not Mickey, because if I didn't know about it. So, if you do have a band out there, or that kind of thing, try and let us now on the podcast or if you see something interesting that's happening you know I know we chased Dermot Kennedy like mad jokes on social media there a while ago trying to get him to come on the podcast because oftentimes you'll see something crop up like that and an artist will turn up and then they'll disappear so before we get to Dara there is some artists coming over now I say artists not in the Swedish sense right these are people who deal with real art right they deal with sound but also with sculpture and with light and with artificial intelligence and everything else like that and I got uh, a little message off somebody and I thought, God almighty, I'll have to bring this to the attention of the listeners because not everybody's mad into the gar. Some people like the more... Some of the people who are into the gar are into the artistic stuff as well, right? Um, 
So I was in touch with a woman named Eddie Fung and Eddie got in touch with me to say, look, this is going on. There's a bunch of Irish artists coming over here. It's for two nights, right? Let me just check the dates out. I think it's the 12th and the 13th of May. It is indeed the 12th and the 13th of May. And it's called Technopoeci. I, I really don't know how to pronounce that, right? But I do say it at the start of the interview and we'll see what happens. So there's just a little short conversation to kick this week off now with Eddie about what people can expect from this artistic performance. And sure after that, we'll have a little chat with Darren. O'Carroll from Enterprise Ireland. we maybe start by explaining what technopoesis actually is right i'm reading on the website here and it's telling me it's a two-night concert consisting of drums lasers electroacoustic interactions analog improvisations and ai compositions so it's not like a regular you know music session where people just sit down in a pub right no um i it's uh yeah it's very exciting um it's uh um a mixture between kind of um intermediate art uh if you heard of that term at all but uh, yeah experimental sound um yeah a bit of uh yeah a, a bit of trying to merge uh different worlds from like the music scene and as well as um kind of more contemporary arts uh yeah people practicing contemporary art uh, so-called contemporary art um yeah and um it's uh, uh and it's in uh Thiokingen, which is very exciting um they are um i think they've been running since 1933 and to do this sort of um sound art experimental and dance and um yeah and um so yeah, it's just really exciting to uh, be yeah pro- doing something in that space um and uh yeah (laughs) who are these irish artists that are coming over eddie do you know these people or is this the first time you're going to be working with them uh yes i i've known um all of them beforehand um so basically um i uh have done a few shows um back in uh, belfast before and then I've worked with some of them before, but some I've met um in uh, during a uh, yeah exchange in Stockholm and then meeting uh yeah new uh Irish friends here um and so it's a bunch of uh, new adult friends basically and um yeah uh yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the Irish artists that are coming over and maybe what you expect them to do uh, d- during this particular show or this uh, this happening? Yeah. Um, what? Um, and then we're keeping it quite loose. Uh, there, there's a bit of an idea. Um, so uh, we will have um, with John uh, McCormack and Robin Price, they have sort of collaborated before and uh, did a drum kind of, uh, yeah, drum live drum performance, which triggers uh, laser lights. Mm. Um, and that is also done with uh, projection mapping over a sculpture. 
um, that so Robin um, worked with these uh, electronic kind of interactions and then the projection will be on um, a sculptural work that John, um, who was playing the drum, was also like the creator of the sculpture. So mm. it's a lot of kind of, yeah, interwoven concepts and yeah, ways of collaborate, levels of collaboration in that sense. And then um, we are kind of having another performance with uh, yeah, Mark, uh, but Mark Buckridge and uh, we, uh, well, he, he's going to um, perform, uh, I think, a piece of improvisation with the um, piano. And then he, um, before come, well, last year he, he performed or used elements of the Sean Noss singing um, in um, his solo show at uh, CCA Dairy. And then beforehand he's done kind of also really interesting um, kind of improvisation that sort of uh, talks about um, very intuitive response, artistic response to the world, but then sort of bringing that in, in, um, in sort of between composition and improvisation. And, um, and then Murdoch O'Ryan will be, um, he's, uh, actually working towards his master's thesis finishing um, in May at the Royal College of Music, I think, and then he, uh, in Stockholm, basically. Mm. Um, so he is um, focusing on um, working with AI, machine learning, and sort of, yeah, experimenting what comes out from that uh, the, the, the data sets and then create composition with it. And mm. So it will be like a blend of, I think, digital, electronic, electro or electronica, um, and also kind of piano, analog instruments. Um, yeah, mm. I'm, I'm imagining it will be quite an immersive concert. Yeah, I was going to ask, is this <laughs> the sort of thing that you sit down and you look at people on a stage, is it something that happens in a space and you walk around? Um, yes, I think the idea is to be, yeah, to be quite, um, walk, yeah, walk, walkable. Um, but obviously, we will also have chairs, um, yeah, uh, for accessibility purposes. Uh, yeah, so... I think we are still planning, but uh, we want to uh, make it a bit alternative in a way. Mm. So it's not like going to Berwald Hallen or something like that. And saying, no, listen, <laughs> you're going to be part of this. Where can, yeah. get, where can people get tickets for the event, Eddie? What's the best way to go about getting tickets? Um, you can go to uh, Biglietto and just search for techno poesis. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, yeah, po uh, T T E C H N O P O I E S I S. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's a coined word. Um, yeah, yeah I, uh, I, I struggled with finding a, a pronunciation of it when I was doing the intro there. Um, <laughs> what's your part in all this? Are you producing the show? Are you taking part yourself? 
Yeah, I'm mainly producing my show, uh, th this show, and um, and uh, I will perform a little bit myself on the Friday, and Murdoch performs on the Saturday. So there's two nights recurring, and then, yeah. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, we might, if I'm in Stockholm that night, I might just come along with a microphone and see if we can record some of the fascinating sounds as we go along. Yeah, yes, please. Yeah, you, yeah, more than welcome. And uh, it would be really great to, yeah, to actually come and see and like speak to the guys and yeah, yep. just have some crack and just, yeah, yeah, so it'll be fun. It sounds fascinating. I'm looking forward to it. Eddie, thanks very much for joining us and to tell us about that on the Irish in Sweden podcast. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Philip. There you go. That was Eddie telling us about the Irish artists that are coming to town the 12th and the 13th of May. Check the show notes, lads, and I will put a link in there for tickets. So if that kind of art is your thing, get down there and have a look. And as I say, I'll try to get down there myself because it's audio. There's a little bit of sound going on there, there, and God only knows what I might manage to grab for this old podcast. Listen, we shall get to Darrell Carl in about two minutes, right? Remember, this is a community-supported podcast. It only exists because you do and because we do and because we want to stick together as much as we can right um, patreon.com forward slash our man in Stockholm get involved there lads if you have the price of a cup of coffee in espresso house coffee isn't even that great right so skip that once a month that's all once a month and you'll get somewhere between eight and ten podcasts a month between this and the global gale and Arrowman in Stockholm there's a dinger of an Arrowman in Stockholm coming out next week I can't find anywhere else to publish it but it's a really great episode about sport and mental health and that kind of thing that's coming up but I had to travel down to Malmo to get that one when I was uh, doing a couple of other things down there as well. So your support goes into doing things like that, you know. And if, you know, between that and the global gale, if we can share these things and grow this community, well, then I'll be able to travel that little bit more and get around the place, you know, because at the moment, unfortunately, like everybody else, I have to work for a living and pay the bills and that, you know. But the support does help greatly and I can get down to Malmo and hopefully up to Lulio and these kind of places as well to talk to the Irish community up there. Right, uh, a man who does plenty of travelling for Enterprise Ireland and going to the plough and all sorts of stuff is Darrell Carroll and uh, I got in touch with him there before Easter and of course he was on the road again doing great things for Irish businesses but yesterday as I'm speaking to you I managed to nip up on one of those Stockholm e-bikes uh, one of these electric bicycles and I jumped up on the e-bike there Bonnie Ahusset and I went to downtown just across the road from the central station where Dara and Hannah Fraser and the whole gang are sitting down there now so we had a little bit of a chat about what Enterprise Ireland are doing lads pin your ears back if you want a success story this is the one for you Let's first start with where we are here. We're in a new premises, by the looks of things, for, mm -hmm. uh, for Enterprise Ireland. Has there been a classic Irish split in Team Ireland over there at the embassy, or was it just a case of growing out of the old? Not at all, not at all. And actually, it's a great day actually to come in because I was actually over in the embassy this morning. We had a Team Ireland meeting, so um, we were reconnecting. But it's it's uh, we're getting too big up here. That's the that's the problem. Mm -hmm. um, so the embassy is growing, Enterprise Ireland is growing. So. So, uh, yeah, we just uh, taken a little hiatus into a bigger building ourselves. But um, the plan is that we get back together as soon as possible. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, I didn't say hello. Thanks very much for having oh, me, Phil. Jeez, it's always yeah. a pleasure to yeah, have you. Yeah, Not yeah. least your good self, but everybody from Enterprise Ireland, because there's yeah. great stories coming out of this building. We're in Posthuset now, which is on Vossa Gothan. It is. A stone's throw from the central station. Um, tell us a little bit about that growth, because growth is one of the things that you and I talked about before we sat down. Uh, we see our, you know, we've seen record exports into yeah. the Nordic region from Ireland last year. Where's it all coming from, Dara? Is Ireland just doing brilliant at the moment, is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're doing brilliant up here. That's that's uh, that's um, what we've been told and what the figures tell us. Um, so yeah, we were back in I, we were back in Dublin last week. We celebrated twenty five years of Enterprise Ireland, and we also celebrated uh, record exports for uh, Irish companies that are supported by Enterprise Ireland. So thirty two. 0.1 billion goes around the world from Ireland and 1.3 billion of that comes up here to the Nordic region. So any Irish goods or services supported by Enterprise Ireland, uh, I suppose client, client companies as we call them, mm. export up here to the region. What's driving that growth? What kind of companies, we're, some of us are just back from Malmö now, the Gaelic football tournament there. Mm-hmm. We know there's lads in construction working on data centres, working making fa- factories for batteries and that kind of thing. Where, what areas are the gro- is the growth coming from? Yeah, it's you know it's across all sectors. All sectors are are growing rapidly. Um, you you know, and everybody up here knows that um, Irish companies are re- really involved in da- data centers um, and have been over the years. Um, we're well known uh, to to I suppose to build a good data center or fit out a good data center, um, and that that cohort of companies has just been growing and growing over the past number of years, and now they're 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 embedded. Um, you're up yourself, I think, at the office opening up in Yavla, a couple of... Uh, LPI, of, was it? Yeah. LPI, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, yeah, and a few more have opened up um, in the region. And now they're even diversifying into the likes of pharma bills and also into battery manufacturing bills and clean tech and energy, which, of course, is absolutely massive up here. So I suppose we're trying to get the companies ourselves and, and the companies in front of this new wave that's coming down the line so that we can keep building on those exports up here. Why do Swedish companies choose to do business with LPI, with these various companies in the data centres? What is it that sticks out about Ireland at the moment? Yeah, there's a, there's a few things. Um, I suppose we're, we're well known for quality. Um, well known for quality, quality bills, but you know my own sector on on the engineering machinery, uh, long lasting. It's you know it's robust, um, and we're we're easy to work with. Uh, we're we're I suppose good fun to work with. We're not very serious. We get the job done in the end, and we hit we hit all all milestones and you know due dates and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, common language English across the board we're not too far away or two hour flight so there's a range of factors um, and yeah I suppose the Nordic people like Ireland we like the Nordic people and you know we work hard and you know we go for uh, a drink or two after as well to celebrate success which always needs to be done Mm. Uh, there's been a few changes up above in Lulio there I think a lot of lads have sort of rotated out there there was a huge population up there very good Gaelic football team up there for a while and they had the ladies going and that and now that seems to have quietened down has that sort of moved where's the next Lulio the next Yavla going to be in Sweden do you think? Yeah um, you're asking the wrong question or the wrong <laughs> person actually because uh, Karen Angus who you've you've known yeah, uh, yeah. my colleague she's based down in Copenhagen she looks after all those high tech construction yeah. um, but there is there is definitely uh, projects 
Denmark's coming down the line uh, and it's it's probably a, you know it's, it might be in Denmark next year and then mm. back in Sweden the following year so you do kind of follow the the major players and 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 see where where they're building and when they're building and and keep it keep a track of that mm. yeah you see some fellas down in Malmo there at the weekend and by Jays they've had more clubs than Tiger Woods at this stage in the Nordic region they played for Lulio and then they've been in Diablo a while and now they're in Hillerud in Denmark a lot of them you know? yeah um, let's look a little bit at the area that you cover most you mentioned there it's mostly in engineering and that kind of thing and I've seen you with the wellies on at various yeah. different sort of trade shows <laughs> and that kind of thing so what's your sort of specific area of expertise or what markets are you looking to get Irish companies into yeah so um, I suppose I cover engineering um any engineering company that's not involved in in kind of the construction side of engineering so your your machineries really so mm-hmm. agricultural um automotive uh, aviation or your general kind of material handling company as well mm-hmm. but um I suppose my I suppose taken like like you said at the wellies agriculture is huge here is uh, the Nordics really and Sweden really look look at Ireland for um agri-tech solutions um, for farms up here and and farmers uh, really kind of, I suppose, value what Ireland is bringing to the table. And, you know, we learn from one another, similar size farms, similar weather conditions, um, kind of we work well together and and we share that knowledge with each other. So that's probably the the most that's taken up my time, agriculture with with trade fairs and... uh, and the ploughing, for example, is mm. under as on the cards back home. So I'll be bringing back a couple of Nordic Nordic uh, people to see what Ireland has to offer. Mm. I remember a few years ago, I was doing a little bit of work uh, with Colm O'Callaghan, uh, who was on this podcast before talking about running, and he worked for Delaval through another company. We mm-hmm. did some consultancy for them, and I was amazed at the technology that's involved in dairy farming now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't put your hand on a cow now, whereas previously everything was sort of manual. When my mother was growing up in Wexford, what kind of innovations are coming out of Ireland, or what kind of you know new variations on an old team are coming out of Ireland now that are so attractive to the Swedes? Yeah, um, and I could be here all day because it is absolutely fascinating what uh, what technology is being yeah. is being generated. Everything from you know measuring what's in the soil so that uh, the I suppose the animals can get the most nutrients to measure output of the animals. Um, when I suppose if it can track any sickness without calling a vet, you know, there's a huge amount of of different. Uh, technology out there um, that's coming from Ireland and we see it each year the Ploughing Enterprise Ireland holds this innovation arena where uh, I suppose anyone with an idea to a business can submit an application of their latest innovation and then we if they win we give them I suppose a selection of prize money but also put them on in, a, in our innovation give them a free look at stand in our innovation arena where we have international buyers coming in from all around the world and they can I suppose they can talk to those companies, find out what's it about and whether it'll work in their market or not. And mm. that's what I suppose what we're all about um, from the beginning is to is for mar- first of all, market test and validation. And that's where it begins before mm. they come out to market to us. So even th- they show up there with the idea, they get the stand. Mm-hmm. People who are working with these things in the real world come in yeah. and say, no, that's not going to work. That's a disaster. Or they go, hang on a second. I need that on my farm, mm. you know. And um, you mentioned that um, it's almost like a diagnosis for animals that, you know, without having to call a vet. What, can you remember what that technology is based on? Is that based on what they, you know, on, on feces and on, on urine, that kind of thing? Or can you remember what? They used for that. Uh, what was it? Is it wasn't something uh, invasive, anyways. I remember he, I showed, I got a template of it or a, a demonstration of it um, 
and it literally connected to or took a, a, a photo with the phone. Uh, I forget what what a sample of it. You probably know the company I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I don't know what what part of the animal they took, but it was nothing invasive. It was no, it, was, it wasn't blood or anything. It was something that could easily easily be accessible. And you can do that with a mobile phone. They t- yeah, they took. Uh, I, I, I suppose I'll, I'll I have to dive a bit deeper, but they. Uh, I think they took a picture and or a reading uh, and yeah, they got kind of results in, in a matter of minutes mm. and before, you know, you had to call and wait for the vet to come out and yeah. test results, go out to the lab and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'll find out and I'll, I'll tell you a bit more about yeah, it. No, yeah, just yeah. The, mo- the most interesting thing is just how quick it is. And th- then everybody has the phone in their pocket, right? Yeah. So it's something that you, to implement this you don't need to do anything. There's no huge infrastructure. You just sign up for the service kind of mm-hmm. thing and, and off you go with that. Uh, is Ireland leading the way in that kind of technology just simply because we were previously so dependent on agriculture? Absolutely, yeah. You, you know, it, it definitely are. Agriculture, I suppose, is such a big part of Ireland. Um, and in this day and age, it's just getting bigger and bigger. And mm-hmm. it's getting bigger and bigger all over the world and and markets all over the world are starting to look at Ireland. Well, Ireland has been, you know, feeding, I suppose, feeding themselves. Um, Mm. We have a population of 5 million people or whatever the news is, 5.5 million Mm. uh, at the moment in Ireland. But we produce enough food for 25 million people. So we produce produce enough, you know, to feed five, you know, five Irelands, really. And other countries are are looking at us like, how is that even possible? Like, what is Ireland doing right? Um, And it rains all the time. And it rains all the time. (laughs) And it's funny, I I, I brought back a a few Nordic um, uh, kind of uh, dealers and journalists for the ploughing last year. And and some of them have never been to Ireland before. They've read about Ireland and the great, uh, the great system that exists there. But I remember we landed and we hopped on, hopped in the taxi on the way down to, uh, to Leash and, they were shocked by how green the place was. They knew the, they knew it was amazing? green, but they were shocked by the grass, the trees. They were like, wow, I, I knew it was green, but I didn't know it was this green, you know? <laughs> That's why they call it the Green Isle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is amazing when you can experience that sort of first hand, you know? Yeah. Um, with those things, like, what is it in your own background that led you to be in a position to be talking about machinery, agriculture, machinery, engineering? Is that, you know, where you come from? When you, when you went to university, is that mm-hmm. what you wanted to work with? Or did you just sort of follow into it because Hannah Fraser made you an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I'm I'm uh, a grandson of a farmer, so kind of I've 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 dabbled. I wouldn't say I grew up on a farm, but I've dabbled on a farm. Um, and I actually my background is in uh, biochemistry, mm-hmm. um, and and I went on to do international business, and then out of college went into Enterprise Ireland back in Ireland, mm-hmm. um, and I was in the industrial side, so construction and life sciences, um, and then I suppose. The, the, I kind of wanted a bit of a, a challenge um, and I knew Hannah was hiring here in Stockholm and looked at the brief and everything and it it it, it looks uh, it, it, it looked really really kind of I suppose interesting to what, what companies were out here and you'd be you'd be blown away actually where I suppose what companies Irish companies are doing out here mm. you know on the agricultural side I suppose you could hop onto a Valtra tractor here in Finland and you can be guaranteed that there's a part of that fa- tractor that's made in Ireland. Yeah. You hop into a new Volvo, uh, the, the air that's coming out of the, the vents, that's certified by um, Irish company allergy standards to be asthma and allergy friendly. And then you hop in onto a 
SAS and even a Ryanair flight now, you can be guaranteed that there is either a tech in that in that plane or if that plane has been serviced by an Irish company. Mm. So it, it's 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 I suppose moving out here and working with these companies, it's just fascinating to see them in action and how we have such a big uh, footprint around the world and I've gone to visit these companies back in Ireland mm. and you'd be going down the country roads mm. where you can barely have two cars on mm. and then all of a sudden you see a sign for this company in here and you turn in and all of a sudden you're in five warehouses employing 150 people in the locality mm. you know supporting GA clubs supporting families um, which is just is great and that's probably the reason why I still have stayed put. I'm coming up to five years uh, with Enterprise Ireland and to work with companies out here to feed back to, to Ireland is is really very great. Like I'm very grateful to do that. Mm. You know. How much your job, because people tend to look at Enterprise Ireland as two things. One is it's an ATM, right? It's got, oh, I can get money off them to do something, right? And the other is, okay, they'll basically sell what I have for me, right? But that's not really what you do. Yeah. You help them to find the opportunities. You help them to make connections and to network more so than anything else. Yeah. Did you, is that how you see your role or do you feel like a little bit of a salesman? You know, I mean, sometimes we sort of laugh about Team Ireland, but it is a sort of a team effort. But in that, do you consider yourself a salesperson or a marketing person? How do you see your role? Yeah. Um, so yeah. First of all, uh, I, yeah, we don't overseas don't give out any any funding. So uh, lads, did you get yeah, that? They don't so, give it. Stop asking them. They don't exactly. have it anymore. I don't want to be attacked walking down the streets of Stockholm now. Um, I asked them for a tenner the other day. Would give it to me. <laughs> so that's all done back in our HQ. Yeah. D, I suppose HQ's job back in Ireland is is to fund fund companies if they need it and get the companies ready to 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 go abroad. Um, because not everybody's ready for that when they no, knock on the door. No, yeah, like it's a it's a big step um, entering a brand new market and they could be entering, you know, a couple of markets as well and try and keep that culture, language, mm. currency, you know, everything going um, and keeping those customers happy is, is, is very tough and some companies I work with are in 20, 30 markets and I don't know how to, how to do it, to be mm. honest. Um, so overseas, yeah, it's a, it's a question I always get asked um, even for my own family, what exactly do you do over there? You know, <laughs> like <laughs> what are you doing? Your yeah, what there? are you doing? Uh, but it's, I, I suppose, I always turn it on 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 the companies. Like, how can I help? Pretty much, yeah. we're very fluid over here, um, and whatever the company needs, um, well, I suppose we we can help, and that's everything from market intelligence. So I suppose keeping my ear and eyes on the ground here, what's happening? Yeah. For example, you know, on the automotive industry. You know, Polestar have this week announced taking over the old Saab factory. Yeah. Um. So to build an R and D facility. So you know they're starting to you know ramp up operations here. So there might be an opportunity there for Irish companies. I feed back that back to the automotive companies back in Ireland. Mm. Um. Agriculture. How the different I suppose dealerships their brands are changing. They might be might drop one brand and you know there might be an opportunity for an Irish company in there. Um, so eyes and ears on the ground really and feed that back support around trade shows so we have multiple multiple trade shows across the region um, and supports around I suppose uh, you know help them with a stand build you know is it worth number one is it worth that trade show what mm. trade show is it worth it um, and then we help with, with I suppose a bit of PR as well so raising that awareness of Ireland companies in the Nordics, but also the opportunity that exists here in the Nordics back in Ireland. So mm. I've been in the Farmer's Journal, I've been in the, the Sunday Independent, just, you know, sending those those uh, 
trying to get you know the the both both sides of the of of the coin mm. you know interested in one another as well mm. um and yeah and then then it comes down to lead generation you know reaching out to people saying this is you know this is an irish company they're really looking for look looking wanting to speak to you mm. would you have 15 minutes for a chat and we can you could we can arrange a, a coffee or a teams meeting mm. and once you know once you get on the call i suppose that's what i love about up here there's no no it's not for me or there, there's no him and hawn it's a yes or no answer yeah and once they i suppose they see what Irish companies have an offer. They're like, wow, yeah, no, that's really good. Let's talk more. Mm. And then that kind of gets the ball rolling. Either they co- they go back to Ireland, meet the company, meet the premises or the factory, or the Irish company comes out here. And uh, yeah, and then deal is done. Done mm. deal, job done. <laughs> and then you get the, the champagne corks be going off when you're back in Dublin. Kind of thing, you know? No, no, not at all. Not at all, not at all. No, keep going. On to the next win then. So is, is it is it a long process? Is it a difficult process? Or is it, you know, there you almost make it sound easy. It's okay. I found the right company. I've put them together with the right customer in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Do you find it's reasonably painless after that? Or do you have to be the sort of the midwife through the whole process leading to what will hopefully be a lucrative deal for an Irish company at the end? Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of, I suppose, uh, bow out after that. Once the connection is done and the real, I suppose a, a, a bit of a relationship is built there, then I kind of step out and I, I just keep, keep you know, from both sides, from the, the, the Swedish buyer to say, look, if anything comes or if you have any questions that you don't want to talk to the Irish company, let me know. Mm. Um, or from the Irish company, let me know how you get on with that meeting. If you want me to, to give them a nudge. Mm. I, I can do that too. So uh, it's really just about connections, and it, it timeline wise, it, it it varies. I remember I brought brought a, a Swedish agri dealer back to the plowing, and a month later they had you know introduced them to a few companies, and a month later they had Irish products on the ground here. Wow. And then you go down the automotive road, road, and with Volvo through all their suppliers, I suppose, accreditation, things like that, mm. that could be a couple of years. So you are following some opportunities and you're, 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 you're waiting and you're tipping along and then others just happen overnight, which is great as well. Mm. Yeah. What were your expe- expectations when you talk to Hannah and this opportunity to come up here? As you mentioned, you're coming through, you know, uh, biochemistry, you know, it's like, in one way, it's a lot different from what you're doing now, and in another, it isn't because of the agricultural element of it. But when you moved to Sweden first, what did you expect? What kind of life did you expect to have here, Dan? As you know, I, I didn't think. <laughs> <laughs> Just, well, that looks good. Yeah, I didn't think. I hadn't stepped foot in the region. Um, Ireland was in, in the middle of a five-kilometre limit, mm. um, and I knew Sweden was open for business. Um, so I said uh, Did that whet your appetite a little bit more? It did a bit I, had, I moved back home with the folks so I kind of had to get uh, get away as well so uh, yeah I did a bit I remember uh, when I got the job I had to kind of get a a, 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 a bit of a, a, the contract yeah. because the guards were stopping you know if you went out of your 5k yeah, to yeah. get to the airport I had to kind of get a contract to say well I'm actually moving yeah. to Sweden People thought I was mad. What are you doing? You know, it was in the middle of a pandemic. Middle like, yeah. of a pan, and it was it was even at the time where it was we still don't didn't know exactly what it was, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I I remember I came out here and actually Phil, you were the you were the first man I talked to. 
very grateful actually um, you said come down to you, there was a tournament on in Stockholm the next day so yeah. you texted me said come down and yeah. I was like these lads are going to hate me I'm literally off a plane and I'm going to bring bring something down to them you know and I'll never make any friends we'll all be dead at the end of it <laughs> I, was, I, I, was, I was that's when I went down I was like I'll keep me distance maybe I'll bring me mask you know yeah, and, yeah. and I went down and I met yourselves first and uh, yeah and sure you introduced me to lads that I'm still friends to, with to this day some still here and some back in yeah. Ireland or somewhere else in the world somewhere in London it, and that kind of thing yeah, now, they? yeah. yeah exactly I remember exactly. that day we were actually disinfecting balls and all sorts of things because we were all so scared that something would happen and yet we were in Sweden so it was open they were going to look at go ahead and even in the fence at Skalpnik we're trying to keep you know okay we'll only have the players and the referee in there we won't have anybody else in there and this yeah. kind of thing you know yeah. um, did it take you long to find somewhere to live have you been one of these people who's been sort of you know moved around 20 different apartments or did you find somewhere to live reasonably quickly oh yeah no and actually now now you, you brought that up after I got a text there earlier my two two years is up on my current apartment oh, no. so you're really you're really hitting it where it hurts I, I, I'm timing this one nicely <laughs> alright you know but, but, but it really is difficult yeah. isn't it you know? I, well, I got lucky my first apartment was 10 months and yeah. now my last one was two years so I've been in two apartments and the two of them were a stone's throw from each other so I didn't have far to move either Yeah. Um, but I have heard of, of lads that have got unlucky six months here six months there yeah um, but yeah, it's it's it. That's just the way it is. And look, it's it's you don't move abroad if this is just what comes with moving abroad. You know, yeah, you have mm. to look for come. I didn't have any trouble to be honest. Uh, I'm going to jinx myself now for my next Jesus apartment. Nothing, but, yeah. but there, I'll come live with you for a few weeks. Phil. Look, there's yeah. a spare room there. Tara O'Neill won't be back with us for a little <laughs> while yet. You know, um, what part of the city were you living in? Were you living here in town? I'm right? on Kungsholmen. In Kungsholmen. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so it's not too far from here. Like, no. but, um, but do you find it easy? Like you know that, uh, or are you looking? For, I suppose, don't suppose you're looking forward to the process of trying to find somewhere but you'd like to stay in the same area and that kind of thing, I, I was just saying that to, to Ioana my colleague in there when I got to text um, I said you know what I've been on Kungsholmen now for almost three years so it'd be nice for a change of scenery yeah. um, you know maybe up to, down to Sother or up to um, well, I, w- I don't know whether I get anything in Osterman, but it's a nice area. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, we'd all love to live up there. Kind of thing, you know, it is. It's difficult, though, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that sort of because this is part of the long term plan now? You came over here, you had a contract. Was that contract for a fixed period or was that you just moving over here for the rest of your life? No, it was it was a two year contract. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was made permanent due to the Swedish employment law. Yeah, uh, they had to get you in there. They yeah. had to get me in there. So, yeah, it's, it's I suppose it's a decision. Whenever I leave, if I leave, it'll be up to up to myself yeah yeah uh, does that mean then that you know are you, are you happy to stay here is this what you want or do you sort of look at you know jack going to london and own o'connor moved to london go hang on a second i might give that a bit of a go as well you know yeah um you know you, you do look at the lads that have moved about and then you you, you look at the quality of life here in sweden mm. and you think well i don't think i'm going to get that anywhere else you yeah. know I walk to work as I said I live on Kung's Home and I walk to work which I know for a fact those lads don't in London yeah you won't be doing that alright no, yeah they're 40-50 minutes uh, you know we have we have Ga here not too far away as well mm-hmm. um, every Wednesday and the summers are just incredible as we got a taste of it there at the, at the weekend mm. um, so we're just all all waiting for that and even during the winter I've learned how to ski since I moved over so I go skiing um, and it's it's a place I suppose it's a good hiding place as well you know yeah. every every Irish person seems to be heading off to Australia or Canada or London but uh, once you say Sweden it kind of 
people kind of perk up their ears and like, what made you move up there? I've never been up there. Yeah. And uh, when you tell them about the country, then they've kind of, you're like, okay, wow, that sounds pretty good. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, for now, I'm I'm happy. Uh, I have a nice group of friends, both Irish and, and, and I suppose, Swedish friends and expats as well. Yeah. Um, from the likes of Germany, France, Finland. Um, but yeah, and we have uh, we have a nice ni- nice group, and we enjoy ourselves really, and plan yeah. plan for the summer ahead, and yeah. Have you explored much of Sweden? I can't remember if uh, there was a few years ago. Aaron Rath organised. I think everybody went out on a road trip kind of thing. Were you part of that? I wasn't. That was the week I arrived actually. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. the lads yeah. only came back actually the night before that tournament. That yeah. was what it was. There's a few I, hangovers there. There was. I remember because the lads were very uh, standoffish that day. I was like, these lads don't it. like me, and end up being <laughs> best friends with them. Then they so. were all hung over like yeah. that. But have you have you taken the chance? Um, you mentioned skiing there. Is that alpine skiing, downhill stuff? Yeah, yeah. downhill. So I've been up in Ora and I've been to Roma multiple times and to Kungsberget, um, and went up to Kerna to see the Northern Lights and Snowmobile, and then uh, during the summer, then we've been over in Gothenburg with. The, the Ga of course yeah. but also up in Grunsund we took a few of the lads we went up for a, a long weekend up there which was beautiful really mm. really nice and then the last on my list on my Swedish bucket list is Gotland which uh, mm. I have planned to go to this summer for midsummer oh brilliant mm. that would be fantastic up yeah. there altogether so. I was there a couple of years oh no was it last year when Sweden said they were joining NATO because that's the canary in the coal mine is Gotland everybody thinks okay if the Russians invade there then the whole world is going to go nuts you know? yeah. so it's, it's, but it's a beautiful spot now altogether yeah you know? looking forward to it Yeah, that'll be a good one um, you mentioned the GEA there that kind of thing as well like you know that's obviously a great sort of outlet you mentioned there's other people that you've met when when you're a young man coming over here with sort of you know no responsibilities or, or, or that did you find it easy outside of the GEA to meet people or was the GEA the thing that sort of gave you the foundation to go meet other people after that yeah I suppose when when I'm when I moved across um I suppose I I, I said to myself Dara you know you know nobody here and you know absolutely nobody here um and I the first six months I said yes to everything <laughs> I made it a thing to to say yes to everything, and it was it was the best thing I did. You was know, it, yeah. yeah. We went down to gas training and stuff, and you know, someone might say, "Anyone up for a drink?" So yes. Great. Anybody up for a bite to eat? Yes. Dar, I'm going off for a six hour hike on Saturday. Do you want to come? And you know, I, I I wasn't looking forward to it, but yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So I said yes to multiple things, and it really kind of set things up for for. The, the months and years ahead outside of the guy it was uh it was it was tricky you know you, you i suppose you meet people in different settings and um, mm. i go to the gym a good bit so you, you'd, you the regulars in the gym you'd have good chats with and mm. things like that but yeah the guy was definitely the the, the, main, thing. the main thing yeah absolutely was there anything you regret saying yes to at that time was there anything uh, I regret saying yes to? I remember I got back. I, I remember I got back to the apartment, and I think I left at six o'clock that morning, and it was nearly midnight at night. And I was like, "Okay, I think you've, you know, you've outdone your yeses." I was, I don't, I, I was like, because I'm a, you know, I, I like me old comforts, me couch, me Netflix in the evening as well. So uh, I got back, and I was absolutely exhausted. Um, I, th- I don't know. I forgot what we did in the morning, but. It was definitely, uh, it was a hike and then I think we had training or a, a soccer match that evening or something yeah. and then we went out for drinks just straight after and I was like, okay, I'm exhausted now. But no, I don't regret it. I don't regret because I suppose you're moving to a new country. 
and you're not going to see it saying, ah, do you know what? I'm a bit tired. I'll go home and lie on the couch. You can do that. You can do that anywhere. You can do it back mm. home and you'll be doing it for the rest of your life as you get older. So you might as well enjoy it while you're here. Make the most of it, yeah. yeah. Um, with some of the companies that came over, they've come over, there's been an awful lot of man and woman power has been brought over working in places like Yavlin, places like Lulio and that kind of thing. And we've discussed it before. I think it was around St. Patrick's Day there. We were having a chat about um, how to integrate more into communities in terms of what, what's the legacy that these companies companies can leave you know mm-hmm. um, do, is there a desire among the companies that you work with to do that kind of thing to make a lasting impression on Swedish society or is it look at we've signed up here we have this three year thing and that kind of thing and really we just want to make sure that everybody gets through that we look after our own employees but after that we're not really interested how do you see them acting in that yeah no it's it's the Irish companies come over they want to stay put you know mm. they want to put down roots and they want to whoever to bring over with them to enjoy their time here mm. So going back, um, and we mentioned it in that Team Ireland meeting this morning, I know the ambassador Austin had has put a lot of work into bringing all those companies and Irish groups together. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it and, and I know the companies really, really benefited, like really appreciated that. Mm. Um, so there's been mul- multiple, I suppose, companies put down Office, opens offices, put down roots, and with the ambassador bringing all community and business together, Irish Chamber of Commerce, things like that. You know, it's it's uh, and the guy and how many different places in Sweden, and not to mention the Nordics. Mm. Um, we all, I suppose, we all connect with each other. You know, and we all, we all, we all, I suppose, we all want to see everyone else enjoy themselves. Yeah, you know, no yeah. one wants to for, see someone moving to Sweden. Just well, I'm here for a year. I'm going to stick it out, work hard and head home, you know, enjoy yourself when you get here. It's a beautiful, beautiful country. And uh, yeah, and there's it's great. There's great people. And yeah, and that's pretty much what I'm what I'm doing myself. So I'm a I'm a a ambassador itself to to do it. Yeah. Uh yeah. What do your family back home say about uh, living here? You know, like my mother still thinks I live in Switzerland, I'd say, you know. Yeah, (laughs) I get to Switzerland a couple of times. All right. Yeah. Which is funny. yeah, they they they've been out a couple of times. They've been out in the depths of winter and they've been out uh, in the height of summer. So two completely different uh, different places. But uh, they always say, "Look, as long as you're happy and enjoy yourself, away with you." So yeah. and I get to, I suppose that's a good thing working with 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 EI. I get to go home a good bit, you yeah. know. Um, I'm not the other side of the world like Australia or anything like that, where year and a half, t- two years are gone by. You know. I'd be home every six months, if not before that. Yeah, yeah. And then from Australia, that kind of thing, it, it takes you like three weeks to get home. Exactly. Yeah. Is, you know? yeah. Now it's a Ryanair evening flight, and you're on a yeah. Friday, and you're back before uh, before bedtime type of thing. So, yeah. yeah. Is, is, do they understand what you like about it? Because you do a great job, I have to say, of selling the lifestyle in Sweden to everybody who's listening to this who maybe hasn't moved here yet. You yeah. Know? Um, I think they, I think they do. Like, uh, they know I enjoy the lifestyle. That's for sure. But they know I, I enjoy my my work with Enterprise Ireland as well. Um, mm. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem like I'm abroad because I suppose during my 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 day, I'm working with Irish companies. Mm. You know, um, I'm working with ones that are from home, and and I talk to Irish Irish people all the time. And then in the evening, yeah, we get out and about and. Um, kind of explore the, the the city and then during the breaks we explore Sweden which is it's nice it's 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 nice to be able to do that some people go into I suppose moving across go into a, a Swedish company and you know it's you're really immersed in it mm-hmm. um, 
but it's I suppose for myself it's nice to have that still that Irish connection as yeah. well yeah uh, have you made any efforts to learn the language or that kind of thing we were down a train in there last week and Dara Glynn the doctor was just talking to, to Marcus Fallian and mm. I don't know how Dara managed to learn Swedish that fast but there it is have you give, put yourself like it, there's no is there any real need for you to do that for your job uh, yeah probably a little svenska good man yeah, yourself yeah. But, uh, yeah no Dara is uh, down there Dara Glynn is, is I don't know he's, he's a doctor he learns Swedish in what six months it just he, somebody poured it into his ear I don't know what, what, what he does be eating or what does he does be and he's an unreal footballer as well so it's uh, I think he's just one of those uh, gifts from God so he is yeah. so um, I've I've learned the basics but mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's you know it's not needed it's it's nice when you're when you're out and about when, when you're talking to Swedish buyers and, and mm-hmm. things like that they do appreciate it absolutely yeah, they do yeah. appreciate it that this guy moved over from Ireland you know he wants to uh, kind of showcase some Irish companies mm. and he knows a bit of, he learned a bit of Swedish while he was here yeah. they do like that but to, to operate here in a business world you don't need it there's no need for no it, need no. for it absolutely I, I remember even I, I rang an agricultural dealer I, I remember he joined a webinar during COVID and uh, I was like I wonder where that dealer is and I looked at it and it was the very top of Norway yeah. I said I give him a ring see did he like any of the companies I was like will this lad speak a word of English and must have had a 20 minute conversation with him on the phone not yeah. a bother yeah they speak better English than we do in many they cases do. Like, you know? that's, that's, yeah I've yeah. been told that I will definitely better English than me anyway so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I often find one of the most entertaining things I can watch it is Gary Lavelle arguing with a referee when we're playing soccer in Swedish and he's telling them the laws of the game and the whole lot it's brilliant to mm-hmm. see you know and in terms of the Irish companies and this sort of dovetails nicely with what you do and what your future is right None of us could have said 10 or 15 years ago that, you know, battery factories, clean tech, data centres, that that was going to be where very few of us could have said that anyway, you know. Mm -hmm. Where do you see it now? You mentioned clean tech, green energy, that kind of thing. Is that what the next sort of big wave of Irish companies into the Nordic Nordic region is going to be doing, do you think? Yeah, yeah. Like, clean tech, absolutely. Like, across the Nordics, they have such... Uh, ambitious targets to mm. be this whole net sustainability net zero mm. um, and when Irish com- companies come across the, the the Swedish and Nordic organizations they they put that on them they say well what's your sustainability aspect you know things like that are, are Irish companies prepared for that when they come here they're, 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 uh, they are they are well <laughs> we, we they, they are well it's funny because you say that because I suppose when you go to other markets that might be way down the list, yeah. but it's it's pretty much number one here in the Nordic. Is it? Yeah. And it's it's really helping Irish companies accelerate that process. Mm. And even ourselves, you know, we support we we support that. We have a guidebook of how to help Irish if they haven't you know thought about it or been on track, mm. um, or uh, you know started it. We have a guidebook for every kind of step away. Well, here's what you should do and. Here's you know how, how to tender. You know a big mm. part of tenders up here now is is your sustainability aspect. Um, the Irish companies that have been operating up here for years, I think they 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 foresee it. They mm. foresaw it. Um, they saw, saw it coming down the line, and you can see it when you click into their websites. Mm. Sustainability is a, ta- a, a tab at the top. Yeah. Um, and they really kind of put it out in the forefront, and that's what the Nordic companies like. Mm. They like seeing well, you know, Ireland to give you know good quality products good quality services and they also have a, a good sustainability aspect as mm. well and it will it will help it will help the um it will help them reach their goals mm. like i remember um it was a big company i think it was a medical device company and the ceo said i'd hate to be a supplier of our own company 
because mm. of all the targets that company alone is putting on their mm. supplier to trace everything back to see you know what exactly is the effect on the environment that product is having mm. um, and with, with Polestar as well I know Polestar you know, they manufacture all their cars in China mm. they want to be um, have like zero by 2030 and mm. um, so you know to have that they'll probably have to set up a production site somewhere because at the moment they're shipping I suppose suppliers from mm. Europe to China and, and the cars back yeah um, and then what the, the news this week about a new R&D facility just goes to show that yeah I think they're starting to ramp up here a bit yeah yeah. yeah. Do Irish companies have a good reputation for that in Sweden now you know do, because after all this work on data centres and they're always a thing around energy but like you mentioned the actual building of these things being able to trace everything back are, are Irish companies sort of delivering on that for Swedish companies because if you've already ticked that box it's much easier for either another company to do business which are for my company to do business with you again so mm-hmm. is that reputation good now yeah yeah it is it is and i suppose those irish companies that were that, that were here first when it kind of kicked off first they really implemented it and now the other irish companies that are coming across mm-hmm. i suppose they're looking at the, you know the ones that are here and saying wow you know they're operating up there they're doing well let's see and they, they, they talk to each other that's you know part of my job as well I try to connect companies that would never talk to each other back home one might be in Cork and one might be up in Roscommon mm. and to connect them and they nearly find that as as valuable as an introduction mm. and you know how to get the lay of the land out here what what the, the Nordic buyers like and things so yeah absolutely I think um, I think we're all on this one journey to, mm. to, to help the planet. So um, I think the Nordics and Ireland are a good partner in that. Mm. And on your own journey in terms of that, you know, like, I mean, do you have your eye on Hannah Fraser's job? Because <laughs> she has her eye on somebody else, I'm sure. You know. But is, is this something that you you want to do? Oh, no, I was joking. Uh, is this something that you want to do long term? Because like a fellow like yourself, conscientious fellow who's put so much work into this, I'm sure you'd like to be here when all of these things really start paying off for Irish companies in the future. And yet, when you're good at your job, as you are and as Hannah Fraser is, somebody else could be pulling in your sleeve as well, going, oh, Dara, would you fancy this? Where do you see yourself in the next few years would you like to be here if you can get an apartment at Kung Salman of course yeah yeah <laughs> um, to be honest I, I live literally day by day I yeah. don't think think down the line at all like uh, there's and no I, big five year plan or anything, there's no, no big five year plan I suppose I had that in 2019 or 2020 and then all of a sudden this Stockholm roll came across my, mm. my desk and I said well sure we'll go for it and see what happens never didn't even know what existed up here and I went for it and it was the best decision I ever made so I've learned to say well look what happens what you know will happen so uh, I don't plan for any any anything I'm enjoying my time now enjoying work enjoying Sweden and yeah we'll just see what happens whenever that the, the, the day when that changes if it changes Is there any pull from home at all I always say that I'd love to move back to Ireland but I'd love to move back to Ireland in 1993 when I had no children or mortgage or that kind of thing you know mm. do you feel do you ever feel that there's a lot of lads would say oh yeah well I'll do this for 5 years 10 years 15 but eventually I'd like to go back to Roscommon or Dublin or that is that something that's in the back of your mind at all or do you want to see the world as well It is and it isn't you know it's I suppose we're the world is so well connected now mm. you know you could nearly get back to uh, 
to home from here as from Cork. Um, yeah. You know, not I'm, that anybody would ever want to go there, but anyway. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's no, there's no, no. I don't feel a pull. A lot of my friends are dotted across the world and dotted back in Ireland as yeah. well, and we meet up regularly and we 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 FaceTime and WhatsApp and things like that. So there's no, it's not like we're not connected. Um, so there's there's probably part of me that. You know, do miss home, do, does miss home, but the fact that I get home regularly, um, it's it's fine. Eases that it just eases, a little bit, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. 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 And, and lastly, but not least, the most important question: Are you going training this evening? Are you? I am. I have my bag in with me, so I do. So uh, I am looking forward to to going down. It's a lovely day out there. I went for a walk at lunchtime. It's nice. So looking forward to to getting the boots on and shouldering a few lads. Love me, continue. <laughs> Dad, thanks so much for talking to me. Thanks very much, Phil. There he is, the wonderful, the wonderful Dara O'Carroll. Do you know what? There's, there's some people you meet and they're just they're the nicest young friends, they're the nicest young ones you'll come across. And Dara is definitely one of them. And um, I love that attitude that he had of just saying yes to everything in the first six months, even if it wore him out absolutely, completely and utterly. And he met so many great people and that kind of thing. And he had the energy and he had the, sort of the, the social competence. It's not for everybody. Does not everybody feels comfortable saying yes to everything and just storming off uh, onto a hike with somebody that they don't know all that well. But it's a, it's a great lesson to us all in terms of going out there and seizing the day as Dara do, has done. And he's made a fantastic life for himself here. And to see the work he does, like, you know, I I mean, you're not blowing smoke up anybody's behind to say that the work being done by himself and by by Niall and by Board Bia and by the various state agencies here, and of course uh, Austin Gormley, the ambassador, and the various other staff at the embassy, it really is tremendous work, and it's something that we should value very, very highly as a committee because we're absolutely blessed with the people that we have working on behalf of our country here, and indeed on our behalf because certainly the people at the embassy uh, they come and support us in a lot of the things that are going on. Right, listen, I will leave you with that for this week. Now, I, I can't even remember who's on next week's show. I know I've booked somebody in and I have to go somewhere, but uh, I'm absolutely out the door with various uh, different jobs and that kind of thing at the moment. Uh, so more of which and on but lads do me a favour you're at the very end now right so if you made it this far you probably enjoyed the podcast right and this is especially for those of you who don't listen very often right share it right because even if you don't listen to every episode or that kind of thing it helps if you amplify it it helps the algorithm to find people like you so that is a huge value to me in terms of finding other people around Sweden because there's still names crop up every now and again uh, like Eddie mentioned a couple of the artists at the start there I don't know I think there's one or two of them studying here in Sweden and I don't know them and it'd be great to get in touch with all of those people and uh, and just include them and sort of grow this community around the podcast and in doing so we're kind of growing the Irish community as well remember that you have uh, Mutley and Jack out there you have Tushed out there you have our wonderful sponsor Martin at Veerstrom's Pub down there in Gamlastown you have Sponge Cookies are also open down in Gamlastown now so there's a load of Irish businesses out there you have Lockie wandering around the place playing in all the different pubs Brian O'Connor is doing the same Carl Moore's doing the same so there's loads of stuff happening now the hibernation is over the winter is over let's get into enjoying this summer and most of all let's do it together i hope to see you out there in the highways and the byways in the near future until then look after yourselves look after one another and i'll be back next week with another episode of the irish in sweden podcast take a handy mm-hmm.